You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest uh, basketball podcast, MWR.com. You know what it is, right? Myself here, hanging out with uh, Andrew, as I pause to say your name. We're here. Basketball <laughs> season is over, but we're not done. Yeah, okay. I mean, hey, we still got, still got to go. Still got a, a whole off season now to, to look forward to. The portal! The portal! The portal. <laughs> I mean, and it's not just the players in the portal anymore either. I mean, in the Mountain West, we've had coaching changes, it seems like, every week. So, man, it's just a, been a busy time. For sure. We'll, we'll get to all that. Um, first, let's just do this because we're recording this the day after the wah, wah, national title game that was a bust, in my opinion. How did you feel about <laughs> how it turned out? Because this Gonzaga got boat raced. They couldn't handle Baylor. It's supposed to be a rematch from that December 2nd game that got canceled. Like, I, they were down like 10 to 1, 22 to 6. They. Is this like the biggest letdown in a long time? Because everybody thought, like, this is the greatest basketball team ever. I'm like, slow down, people. Not the greatest team ever. There were those teams with, you know, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Bill Walton's also a pretty good team. Bill Russell. Just saying. Michael Jordan, James Worthy. Come on. Right. No, and I do think that, you know, people probably, and, and probably myself too. I mean, I don't know if I ever called them the best team or anything like that. But, I, you know, I probably let myself get a little carried away with them. I was I was pretty let down by it personally. You know, I want I wanted them to win. I, I like to root for the, you know, it's a weird thing of Gonzaga as an underdog still, but you know, because they, they wanted to, they were you know a five four four point favorite or five point favorite, whatever it was. Um, but you know, they're they're in the Pacific Northwest, you know, so they're they're inside of my kind of geographic footprint, and. I mean, I got nothing to. I I have no reason to root for Baylor in that situation, you know. So I was, yeah, excited. Uh, you know, to 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 see Mark Few finally do it, you know, to get over the hump. And sure, it was going to be in the COVID year, and you know all that. But like, it was finally going to happen. And and then it doesn't have to be a thing people talk about anymore. And then. It just like a 9-0 run to start the game off. It's like four minutes in. Gonzaga still hasn't scored, and it's oh man, you just I I, I tried to you know 
I was on Twitter a little bit, <laughs> mostly in the first half, trying to keep a you know, brave face on. And by the time the game just kept going in the second half, it was just like, all right, well, time to start considering this Baylor team at the champions because, man, they they are <laughs> – they looked so good. It was they crazy. Were. So, and, the thing I want to bring – And they've bring, been that good for a while. Yeah, they were they – were uh, one of the teams that probably could have been or should have been the favorite or was a consideration last year. Like, they've been good for a couple of years. The big thing about this we talked right, before, right. like, them beating Gonzaga, awesome, because Baylor hasn't been here in forever. I think it was 1950, I think. They've been to the Final Four, something like that, 70 years or whatever. But the biggest thing about me for this was not necessarily that they won, which was still pretty cool. They won. But for those who don't know, I'm sure everybody's seen a, a Dave Bliss, that name. Who's that guy? Who's what's, That name was popping up this weekend or even before the Final Four. Like, so who is this Dave Bliss character? Well, this is the reason why this is, like, this is might be hyperbole here, Andy, but this should literally never have happened to the school to win the national championship. Baylor basketball. Not, yeah, not on this path anyway. If I, yeah. if I know where you're going with this, you know, yeah. Yeah, like, yes, they're in a major conference. They were in the Southwest Conference before. They're in the Big 12 now. They were never honestly good at basketball like here's the thing when the thing, i'll get to dave bliss stuff in a minute why it should never happen there's two reasons first off i didn't realize this he was only there for four years he wasn't there very long i thought he was there a bit longer and he was wow. okay with baylor like he was right on 500 he had that one no ncaa tournament berth he was doing okay not good in conference play but they schedule up or schedule down i should say to get some wins in non-conference to look okay but like they haven't been into a tournament like since the late eighties, that was their, and then maybe a couple times in the forties and fifties, like the nineteen fifty season was that Final Four. They went through two times to title in the championship weekend back in the forties, so they were never good. Dave Bliss comes along after taking over for like a Harry Miller, where he goes, "I'm just naming guys. I don't even know. I'm just looking at Sports Reference here, guys. So I don't think I'm a Baylor expert by any stretch." But they're at six and twenty-four. He turns them around, fourteen wins, nineteen wins, fourteen, fourteen. So improvement well here's a problem they basically got the smu football version of the death penalty because dave bliss let's see he earned a 10-year show cause which is unheard of essentially he's never coached again that was the point of it because he was mid 60s or early 60s i think i think he's 77 now but he had so many ncaa violations which included on his own team this is not a violation but well breaking the law obviously but and one player murdered another player, which is beyond wild as it would seem. But it gets worse than that, folks. <laughs> Dave Bliss took the player who yeah. passed away, tried to pin stuff on him, saying he was a drug dealer. He, I'm like, what? Are you, what is he doing? He, like, he paid for players' tuition. There was a million different things, but that's my point. Like, they. Where we talked before too, like you meant you remember too, because we're reasonably same age. This is a couple of years after I was out of high school, back in what oh three, a few years after, where he was. This team, I say, when when Scott Drew took over, people are like, "Why are you taking this job?" It's like, "Well, it's a Big Twelve job. It's a, I mean, it's a it's a pretty good job in the conference wise." I forget where he came from before, but he's like, "I'm going national titles, like oh whatever." But what Dave Blitz did, like, ruined the program. Like, Andy, who are you going to get? Like, you could tell a kid, like, hey, come to my school. 
well, we did have this murder happen on campus. So, like, we had this. The coach did this. You're probably not banned from NCAA tournament for years because of what he did. So for him to turn around and not just with the title, which he did, within five years, they were making NCAA tournament fairly consistently. Yeah, and I mean, it's just... It, it's crazy to think how long he's been there and how yeah. long he Scott Scott Drew has been under appreciated, I guess. Because I I totally. don't think I even fully appreciated it until these last year or two, maybe. Of he he's been at Baylor for as long as Roy Williams was at North Carolina. He I know oh three. I'm like Boston. it was that. I'm like it was yeah. that seventeen I mean, eighteen years. Holy crap. Yeah, and it's 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 crazy, and and it took that long to build because of some of the things you said. I mean, you talk about recruiting; they couldn't even do recruiting for a little while, right? Yeah. I mean, didn't they? They lost a bunch of uh, you know Probably scholarships, scholarships lost, I mean, visits, you lose all yeah, sorts. You of, name it. Yeah. So I mean, so so then you got to work on your recruiting pitch once you're even allowed to start recruiting. You know, yeah. so you've got that aspect in there too, and so yeah, to to, to see that build. You know, because we, we, you know, I talked about how I was getting ready to see Gonzaga. You know, they have been building for almost 20 years to get to this point. It's like, well, hey, Baylor's really been building from the ground up, too. And I think that storyline was a little underappreciated, you know, certainly by myself, but probably by, I would say, maybe the, yeah, a lot of people. 20 years ago, this happened, essentially. And Gonzaga's is much more of a feel-good kind of a story of, like, sort of. I guess maybe like a mid-major sort of turning into Duke of the West. <laughs> yeah, no, they, you're right. They've been after what 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 you said. I don't have their stuff in front of me. Within the past five years, they've been getting a one or two seed essentially in the NCAA tournament. They've been that good. So they were the team where we saw when they beat UConn years ago back in the late '90s, whatever it was. Oh, Sweet Sixteen. They beat this. They beat John, Jim Calhoun. They beat this. Then they just kept going and pushing and. That's why it's weird about them where it's like, well, San Diego State should be this. Or UNLV, I'm like, well, UNLV, UNLV was there. Whatever you want to say about Tark, cheating or not, he's never proven guilty of cheating. He's, NCAA just kind of put enough pressure to get him out of town without actually finding anything illegal. Like videotaping his practices. Like, come on. They're like, well, why can't this team be that? It's like, well, it's really hard to do what Gonzaga did. And they it took them almost 20 years. Because it's the thing like, well, why can't we get home and home with these teams? Or blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, you got to pay the bills. But then it's it's like the loyal Chicago thing we mentioned. It's like, well, you're good enough now. They're afraid to beat you. Where if you lose, it's still not a great loss. But if you win, it's like, boy, shit, shit too. Gonzaga's the point where it's like playing Arizona when they're good or, you know what I mean, Duke, UNC, all the yeah. big teams, Kansas, uh, Kentucky. Because it wasn't until, I guess, a couple years ago. Yeah, back in 617 when they got their first number one seed, they were 11 seed the year before. <laughs> like if they went from eleven to one, they've been a top four seed. They'd have been they would have had three straight years of number one seed. So like both these stories are pretty remarkable about what it is. Because like even like in 0304, like there's a stretch where you thought Gonzaga was going down where they had three straight top three seeds. They go to a ten, seven, four, whatever, a couple eleven seeds. So they've actually had two spurts of being like contenders. Because if you're a top three seed, even top four, you're a contender in my opinion. You're there to win. It, like both these stories are great, but like the thing about the Baylor story, not the hog doll thing, but you want to talk about how great Scott Drew is, you gotta talk about how garbage it was to Dave Bliss and how scumbag of a guy he was. Yeah, I mean I don't think you can really appreciate the the, the gravity of the story and uh, until you really look look really deep into the de- the depravity of 
yeah, of everything that went down there. It's it, yeah, I. It's a story that I was, I think I was in high school when all of this was going on, um, and it was, it was something you couldn't quite wrap your head around. I think maybe as, uh, or at least I couldn't, um, just exactly how serious all of this was and how oh, yeah, how sure. wild it all was and like. When I say wild, I mean in the shocking, unexpected, like shocking. Thank you. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't think of a better word. For that, <laughs> but yeah, just like out of out of nowhere, right? Out of the blue. Like I would never expect this sort of thing to happen, and at this scale, and it, you know, just all all of that. So to see Baylor then, yeah, turn that all around and kind of bring it all together in in a very resounding win, um, it was. It was pretty impressive, you know. It took it took a little uh, shifting of my expectations midway through to really mm-hmm. enjoy the game because at first I was yeah. like, "Oh man, this sucks!" Because I wanted Gonzaga to win, or but, at least a know, good game, a like the blowout. Like, oh, this, yeah, right. I wanted, yeah, exactly. I wanted Gonzaga UCLA again. It was what I wanted. Well, of course, who doesn't <laughs> want that? <laughs> I know, right? So I was like, "Well, we're not getting that." So, all right, we'll just enjoy this Baylor team then, I guess. So yeah, that's uh oh man, this, this we're not gonna, this is a Mount West show. I just want to bring it up because it's a title game, and I was there like at that time, like that was the year I was before I left, like around that time I was going to Iona College. I came home for like after Christmas or around that time just to be home. That was when all this big time happened. So I remember like I'm like five hours away from their app, but it was like the biggest story every day. It's like college coach does this, this does this, but I do think it's worth bringing up for how. Because we, on my radio show, I'm like, hey, our guys, I'm like, hey, we need to talk about this. Because the game itself, like, oh, it's crappy. I'm like, yeah, it's crappy. It wasn't a good game. <laughs> but, like, this story is better than the game could ever be. <laughs> like, so we spent a good 20 minutes on this thing, too. It's just, it's amazing. It's great. They could do it. And it just proves that any team, I, I don't say, well, no, I, I'll say any team. Because you have Gonzaga in one half, Baylor in the other half. UNLV is still the last team from outside the Power League to win the national title in basketball. So there's that from, what, 37 years ago. So it could be done. It hasn't been done in a while. But we've had Villanova doesn't really count the Big East as a big-time league. So that's kind of – now it's a little watered down. But it's closest thing we've had. But it shows that if you're a bad team, you can get it done. And these are two different paths where Baylor was ripped apart. who was never good before. And so as we move to the, let's move to the Mountain West up here, Andy, we got new coaches. We have – I'm going to say it, and people already back – not liking me on Twitter – Tim Miles, the best coaching hire of any team in college basketball this offseason for San Jose State. Better Even somebody tried to get back at me and Chris Beard, I'm like, no. You know why? Texas can get whoever they want. Who do, Andy, who are we talking about two weeks ago? That's some random San Francisco coach I never heard of. UC Riverside. We co- just, Justin LeBaugh, yeah. We were talking yeah. about Mike Magpio. We were talking about, you know, yeah. We were talking. We literally talked about how no head coach was going to take this job. And to be fair, Tim Miles is not a current head coach. But we did not. I mean, I was talking about, you know, would, a, would like the head coach from Cal Baptist take the job maybe, you know, yeah. thinking because their team is still in the, the, the disi- not disciplinary, the uh, the probationary period, mm-hmm. you know, would, would he maybe make the jump? And then it's like, whoa, a, a real, a name, a familiar name coming. And I mean, a good coach. It's funny because Tim Miles was up, you know, I wanted to throw Tim Miles' name into every coaching search 
in the Mountain West, but that one, <laughs> that's the one he ends up with. <laughs> so that was that was just super funny to me. It was like, wait, what? Really? Tim, like I almost joked about Tim Miles should go for that job, but you know, I didn't. I didn't think that they would be an attractive place for a coach like Tim Miles trying to come back. But you know, they're in San Jose. There's. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. There's, I don't know. There, I'm trying to think of nice things to say about the program. There, there, the, there's a, a blank slate for you. How about that, Tim? You can there is. start from scratch if you'd like. Yeah, this um, like he's good. Like his yeah. he has a winning record overall. He's not losing. Well, no, sorry, they almost a winning record overall because his first couple of years at CSU weren't great. But like he led the, the, Nebraska to be pretty good. It's so, like when I say, do you, like, do you, am I wrong in saying this is the the most outstanding, the best hire any team made? Like, um, if, well, so if if you mean from like. Uh, versus expectations of what they could have gotten or what what we yeah. expected them well, to get, then yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand what you're saying there. I mean, he's not the best coach who got hired, right? That's no. not what you're saying. No, it's the best uh, hire for the program. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, I'd have. There's been so many changes. I'd have to think about that a little bit more. But I can't think of a better one besides maybe Beard. That would be the only one that I would really think. And really that. Well, and and also, I mean, honestly, it's not ideal. Well, no, I, I think when we look at expectations, I was going to say Texas Tech hiring or promoting Mark Adams from within is ideal, I think, for th- mm-hmm. for them if it's not going to be Chris Beard. But I still think that that's not the same thing that you're talking about here. Yeah, um, yeah. In terms like even, of even Porter really Moser going to get out of the Oklahoma. Like, yeah. yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. No, I think I think you might be onto something there. I, I can't think of another coaching hire that's made me go, "Whoa, you landed it. who?" Yeah, I UNC promoted Hubert Davis. UNM. Good job. <laughs> right. You've got a lot of that promoting from within too. I mean, which is good. Loyola did it. Uh, Texas Tech did it. UNC's doing it. So you t- you know, UNLV yeah, did it. That's that's a good. UNLV did it, obviously, yes. Thank you. Hey, just say, uh, hey, keep it in. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, I can't really think of a better, bigger, like, wow, coaching hire. Because that was my first reaction when I saw it was, wow, whoa, really? What? <laughs> I know, because our buddy, this good next point, our buddy Sean, who does great stuff, He's he's been getting on some, breaking some news, a little bit of the Mexico stuff where... Him and Jeff Graham are kind of getting into it about the stuff about. <laughs> here's the thing I've learned about coaching search because. It, it, oh, I know. I will get there in a second. I'm getting yeah, but I did for an off season. It's now defunct. CoachingSearch.com worked with Chris Vanini, who's now at the Athletic. For they needed, they need help during the season. Like, well, I got free time, so I helped him out for a couple months. Him and the guy in charge. I forget his name. Apologies. He kind of owned the site, but. You have he's like when we're writing because you've seen football scoop those sites where it's like Coach X interviewed with this or Coach X is 
interviewing for this job or Coach X has interest in this job? Is it reciprocal? They, he was very particular and dead serious, which I totally understand and agree and went along with. Because sometimes you text him, like, hey, put this on the tracker. I'm busy, but I got a text from a coach. Put this in there because you're the update and tweet it out. The wording is very specific about how this coach like Because we've joked before. The coach be like, well, I never spoke to that that athletic director. In the background, his agent did, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stuff like that right, where right. it's yeah. like – because we put mess, little blurbs about that. So that's where some of the other stuff goes through. But like our buddy Sean, like he put out there, hey, it's Tim, it's looking to be Tim Miles. And lo and behold, I'm going later on my, on my phone. I'm like, why am I getting all these alerts? What the heck? Get the likes. Freaking John Rothstein retweets it. I'm like, holy crap, what the heck? We poke fun at him, and there's good reason to, but – that was kind of weird, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, and and just a you know big shout out, obviously to to our guy Sean Paul at, yes. at Sean Zero Two MTM. If you're looking for him on Twitter, you know yeah. he's, he does good work for us here at Mountain West Wire. But you know he, he's he's been doing quite a quite a good amount of stuff. But yeah, it was cool to to see that. Uh, you know, to see him break the Tim Miles thing, and to see John, you know. John Rothstein confirm it and then give some credit. You know, that that was cool. Um, it's good that, because that was, he's also been, I'll, I'll be honest, trash about sourcing people in general. He's not been the best, yeah. I mean, I, there's a few of the national guys that I kind of, you know, I have the alerts on because, hey, they, <laughs> they're the yeah. ones who usually come out with the news first, right? Um, and I've noticed, you know, there's a few guys like – Jeff Borzello and and Matt Norlander, I've seen they. I feel like they s- seem to source pretty well. Jeff Goodman, maybe a little hit or miss. John Rothstein, he just sort of is a tweet machine. And yeah. <laughs> it's tweeted and it's out there, and he's never looking back. <laughs> what I think so is I'm weird. Really surprised that he actually did come back and 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 add the the credit in like a supplementary tweet. I'm a not, lot of people do that. that I I get the, I get that too. It's like here's my tweet, but let me put the reply first because your replies pull up first when you reply to yourself. So right, I do because right, right. I get why people do that. Like, here's a tweet. Hey, and they'll put either the run out of space. Usually, not the case now. Two two eighty. Hit the reply. Hey, this is the first reported by so and so or this outlet. So that's that's what it is. Need to be in the main tweet. I confirmed it. Is but this is the first out there by this guy. I love it. It would have been cool for Sean, but hopefully people go to him. Then he followed us. I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool too. Hope he likes football and football and weird jokes. Come okay, come on for the ride <laughs> that we do and argue with Boise State Aztec fans and any fan in the conference. So I hope you maybe mute us at one point. But it's I one thing I, cause I I do more other media stuff and sourcing. I'm like, you, I just not to go off on a tangent, but it's like it's not that hard. And what I hate the most. Not. About him is like not him in general. I'll say him because I don't like he did the Bryce Hamilton tweet. Hey, Bryce Hamilton's going pro. What well, agent per his Twitter page? How hard is it to retweet and put something on there? Not even to repeat, retweet and comment right. or tag his page. Hey, because his I know his handle's not his name, so it's like, well, who is this guy? But or it's like I see I saw one thing, the funniest thing four tweets in a row. You see, um, schedule news per school release, schedule new news per release. Rothstein, schedule news per source. And they're stacked around on my timeline because they're basketball guys I follow. It's all they happen to tweet at the same time. I get those same emails too most of the time for certain stuff. And I always put like per press release or I'll link to the release or something. But you see the four people and him saying per source of replies, you mean the source at the email everybody got two seconds ago? 
Right. Right. Exactly. It, it, I, it just bugs me because like, even when I write stuff for... It doesn't matter what I write for. Write for our website here, my other job, or other stuff. I always like... I'll overlink because... I was that one guy. I don't care if you're a big L or not. The guy doing making zero dollars or two dollars a month writing random stuff. I always put it back there because you never know. And it's always I always think it's the right thing to do. So when I see even newspapers like it's per this, I'm like, dude, just link to it. Like it takes two seconds and it's a thing to do. But whatever. All right. But the hire itself. Yeah. Let's get back to it because that's a weird tangent. Is can Tim Miles do it? Like what do you expect from him? He needs to keep. We've had the rotating talent of players. Good players leave. Like getting good talent there, not honestly, not really the issue. Maybe quantity, but they always seem to have one or two guys who are really good. But then they either transfer or whatever. So that's the issue. They because it's that's the one thing I like about this job. They're in an area where there's talent. They're able to bring in some talent, just not a lot of talent. I think the point now is keeping that talent and proving they can do it. I think that's kind of what he needs to do. Because I don't, like, am I wrong? Is there an issue getting top decent players or at least top whatever guys who are better above average players to Mountain West? I don't think so. It's just getting more of them and keeping them, I guess, is the big thing. They always transfer. Yeah, I think that's the big thing there is keeping them in and building something, you know, because there's just not been continuity in the program from from year to year. Um, you know, even this last year, you know, you finally had it with a guy like Seneca White coming or Seneca Knight, sorry, coming back. And then he did not finish out the season. So, and he ended up transferring and now he was actually at the NCAA tournament, I believe with LSU. Uh, so, you know, celebrating with them and getting yeah. to do that. So good for Seneca Knight. But, um, you know, it was just, there's just not been a, a, a continuous culture or I'm not, I don't even know if it's a culture thing. It's just, there hasn't been any roster continuity. So you're not building, you know, these experiences and, you know, any veterans you have got their experience somewhere else or, you know, they're all coming in with different expectations. They don't, you know, they've got to figure the roles out and, and especially this year. I mean, that's hard to do. And when you don't get to play at home and, you know, all of those, Two games all of those things, yeah. but, but, you know, so I think that will be a big challenge for Tim. For, you know, Tim Miles is to keep people in the program. Um, I don't think recruiting should, should be that hard. I mean, it's it's the Bay Area, man. <laughs> Come on. How, how are you going to get, like, it's the Mountain West, so it's a pretty good conference. It's a pretty cool place to live. Mm-hmm. I, I just... If I was a student, you know, a student athlete, and I'm maybe not getting tons of great high major offers, but I am getting some love from San Jose State, you know, I might not care so much that they've been a little bad. I might be the one who wants to go in there and, you know, build the program up. So Yeah, it's tough to do, but that's his toughest thing, getting guys there and sticking them. Because what I think about Tim Miles, like, he's a guy who didn't need this job that just likes, for me, he likes to go to basketball, and that's what he wants to do. Yeah, and I I think that that is going to be part of what you need from a coach like this too is like somebody who is just loves to do it um, because it might not always be very fun <laughs> to to coach the San Jose State team, but I don't think that you've got I I don't think 
I don't know. You know, this is all complete conjecture, I guess, on my end. But Bring it. <laughs> it doesn't seem to me like it's a stepping stone necessarily. Like, oh, I'm going to go to San Jose State so I can try to get a bigger, better job somewhere else very soon. I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he hung out for a while as long as he had some moderate success. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. He he did get five years. At, no, uh, yeah, five years at Colorado State. He got seven at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And hey, Nebraska is another school too. Yeah, that is not. It's not exactly a dream job inside the Big Ten. <laughs> you know, they're usually pretty close to the bottom there. So, the fact that he was able to turn them into a twenty-two win team. I mean, he took Nebraska to the to the NCAA tournament, and that he got fired for it, despite being their best coach probably ever, if not a very long time. Well, he got fired. You know, five years later. But, well, I'm just saying, yeah. but my point being, like he, I don't think he ever had a losing record, did he, in Nebraska? Maybe that first year? He but, had but, a couple. No, he did. He, he had a few losing records. But he did get fired after putting together a 22-win season and then a 19-win season, and then he got fired. So, yeah. you know, I do see it's what like, you're saying. It's weird. No, I got it right. Yeah. The conference, though, that last year. Yeah, that's, that's the did a man. But he had a, okay, he did have more, more losing seasons, I thought. But, like, he was losing, like, 2016 losing season, 2017 losing season. Then he basically doubles win total and kept being a winning record. But I don't know. It's you're right. Like he, like I could argue CSU drug could be better than Nebraska outside of pay. You know what I mean? Like look at all the yeah, coaches that have mean, gone through there. Yeah. Larry Ustasey, me, Nico Medved, and right now the other guy, and then Miles. Like they've had a string of good coaches that are winning. I don't call Ustasey a good guy, but a good coach for the most part. But they, it's a place where. If you get the right coach, you can win there, which is something you can't say in Nebraska. But I, what do you think like his ceiling is at this job? Like it, it says he's there for five years. What do you think the top pinnacle thing he does? I mean, within five years, I'd yeah. say that you know, um, pretty much what he did in his five years at Colorado State. You know, they went zero and sixteen in the conference his first year there. And by the time he was, you know, his fifth year, they won 20 games and they went to the NCAA tournament. And, you know, they lost in the first round. But I think that would be uh, uh, outstanding if he could do that in five years for for San Jose State. I I don't know. It's going to be tough. I It'll take – I will say this. I won't really judge if he's a good or bad coach until after his third year. I think he needs that much time to figure things out. Even though basketball, if you get a couple of guys, you can hit off the mat running and be really good quickly. But I'm really looking yeah. at year three to see where he's at. That's my kind of thing on that. So, And then if you make it to a tournament, I – shoot, that's a lot to ask for a program that's winning like fewer than five games the past couple of years. Like, True. In like two no, conference yeah, games and, or three conference really games. Is. You know, I think that would be the absolute ceiling is to, you know, sneak into the NCAA tournament by year five. And even that might be a little, I mean, even just getting to the postseason, though, getting a winning record, getting something yeah. like that would be, that's what would be pretty awesome. So that's a good place to start, maybe, <laughs> you know, getting to a winning record or a winning conference record even. Um yeah, and so I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see what ends up happening in the transfer portal for them as well. Um, so far, they the only additional transfer they've gotten San Jose State so far uh, leaving the program is uh, freshman 
from last year, Nate Lacewell. And, you know, they had Seneca, White, Seneca yeah, Knight leads, but, um, you know, so they haven't been hit too hard. We'll see what happens with the coaching change and how much um, he's able to retain from the team, how much he necessarily wants to retain from the team, you know. Yeah, that's and, and yeah. Who, who might, <laughs> I mean, you know, not pushed out or anything like that, because I don't think you can necessarily do that. <laughs> Just be like, okay, you guys leave. But, you know, if, if players are wanting out already, he might, who knows if, if if it'll work out? So we'll see. There's a lot of transfers available. So if he can, if he can play the game, <laughs> yeah. So so there's plenty of chance to say, hey, I'm a guy who's had success, who's gotten to the NCAA tournament. Come out to San Jose State. Come play in the Mountain West. Come come try to do something with me. You know, I think build it. He can yeah. convince a few guys from this transfer portal to come do that and come build something where maybe they weren't. You know, they were buried on a depth chart somewhere or whatever it was. Um, yeah, I think I think it could go well. I think the transfer portal might be San Jose State's. I mean, it's obviously they've been their worst enemy, but um, I yeah. think it might also be their best friend in terms of how to build this team. Short up. term. Um, so yeah, exactly. Especially if they're trying to do anything in a short turn, short turnaround time, because I think it might take a little longer to build the program up to the point where you're getting the top recruits coming out of high school to to this program. You know, not not top recruits probably at San Jose State. <laughs> you're yeah. probably going to be losing some. Those top recruits to you know, the but better guys that are, can contribute and not just be a team right. where you're winning right. three games. So let's move to the other coaching hire this week, which gave me a similar wow factor, but not the same way. Utah State hires Dave Odom. Right. Or no, no. Oh, geez. I oh, I should totally edit. I'm looking on his Wikipedia page. You know, I said Dave Odom. <laughs> I'm, I scroll. Oh my gosh, I am the worst. Ryan Odom, my apologies. I'm on his Wikipedia page looking at his win loss record. Under okay, this is a mistake I can say anybody can make, but I made it here and I've been thinking about it. Personal, it says personal. Odom is the son of former coach of all these schools, Dave Odom. So I'm like, oh, okay, he's Dave Odom. I'm like, as soon as I say it, I'm like, that is not right. Oh my gosh, I you would think the personal life would mention his name, not his dad's name. <laughs> Right. Okay, now now we're past this mishap. I'm totally not editing out, editing out because I don't have time and who cares? It's a stupid little podcast for having fun. But Ryan Odom comes from University of Maryland, Baltimore County, which sounds like some random JUCO college or some online college like um, Phoenix University or whatever it is. This was a weird move. His claim to fame clearly was beating Virginia, Virginia in the NCAA tournament as a 16 seed a couple years ago. But I this hire, I don't get it. Can you help explain it to me? Do you have any so better insight to a, why? I found out a little more about maybe why or how we ended up because. You Does know, John Harwell know him from somewhere? Of, I don't know. Um. So, all right. <laughs> so here's what I got from this morning. This is from Scott Gerard. Um, oh, Scott Gerard. I know him. Gerard, I know, okay, okay. I know Scotty G very well, right. yeah. Well, I don't say very well, but I know, I know him. <laughs> All right, well, obviously I don't as well if I'm getting the last Gerard, no kidding. Oh. Hey, there's your mistake. We get one show, we're done. David Ger- David Gerard from the Jaguars, right? The old You're not wrong. Yeah. It's, I can see it. 
All right. So he <laughs> tweeted uh, this morning, new Utah State basketball head coach Ryan Odom has strong connections with the Utah Jazz. It His does? brother Lane is a scout for the Jazz. And mm. Quinn Snyder has been close with the Odom family for decades. Remember, Dave Odom. Yeah, that guy I mentioned before. <laughs> is an old he's he's an old coach. So yeah. Dave Odom, you know, he was a coach at South Carolina. He was at East Carolina. He's, he was at Wake, Wake Forest. He was at the University of Virginia. So he's been around, you know, for forever. And and so apparently Quinn Snyder and and Ryan Odom are friends. There's another quote I saw here. So here's a direct quote. This was also posted by uh, Scotty G. Is that what? Yeah, <laughs> that's, what he, that's what he goes by. Yeah, Scotty uh, G. But okay, so this was a quote from Quinn Snyder himself. He said, I've had the privilege of knowing Ryan and Lucia for over 20 years. Additionally, I've followed Ryan's coaching career from his days as an assistant to the job that he did at UMBC. Ryan mm-hmm. has come out to visit us at the Utah Jazz facilities, and we had a chance to talk basketball and share ideas. I know how excited he is for this new opportunity at Utah State. He's got the experience and the passion to continue to build an elite program in Logan. So it looks like, you know, there was just this there was this connection to Utah that I didn't see coming at all because Ryan Odom was not on my radar for this job. He's a good coach. But I had heard his name. Um, Never there, with one? a potential Vermont opening. Well, no, I he's he's kind of an up and coming coach. I mean, as if you, I guess if you're paying more attention to kind of slow major Northeast hoops, which is <laughs> oh not exactly what. That's the compliment you want. Uh, but no, he was decent. Like they won the conference this year. Are, you know. Yeah, I mean UMBC's. They, they've turned into a pretty good program, and obviously people are going to remember that one win, but you know you have to get to the NCAA tournament to get <laughs> to there. And mm-hmm. sure, they were just a 16 seed, but that says a little more about the America East than it does Ryan Odom. So yeah. I thought but also, was actually... Yeah. It's an interesting move. A, a I good hire. It was not what I expected, but um, yeah, I think... I think it'll be very interesting to see if he is as quickly revered as Craig Smith was, you know, it seemed like pretty much immediately everyone fell in love with Craig Smith. So hopefully yeah. Ryan Odom can do the same kind of thing for Utah state. Cause they've got some good momentum going. Obviously, you know, we were just talking about San Jose state's program and how they've got <laughs> a lot of negative momentum happening, but Utah state has been on the upturn. So, you know, they lose their coach. Technically three straight tournament bids. Three straight tournament bids. That's right. You know, and and not a fake tournament bid like some coaches try to give themselves. Ooh. Yeah, they actually, <laughs> for, for they were the year. one shining moment last year. But it notes, I like the connection, but like, they sort of, did um, Quinn Snyder talk to John Hartwell? It's like, hey, I know this guy. Or did the scout say, hey, Utah State AD, look, give this guy Hartwell, or not Hartwell, but Hart, talk to Hartwell. Give this guy Odom a, a call. It, I, it's just... Yeah, that's what I don't know. That's what I guess I'm thinking is, you know, hey, well, and you, I don't know, because I'm thinking the Jazz were pretty involved with the Utah opening. Right? Because of Alex Jensen there, because, yeah. Because of Alex Jensen, and then, you know, Craig Smith ends up taking it, so they're aware that there's a Utah State job open. Yeah, clearly. So you know, 
Lane Odom or whoever, the scout for the Jazz is like, hey, Ryan, come on out here, man. Come come take this job. You should do it. Come hang out with me. So, you know, I get it. I just, it's one of those, like, really deep, deep, deep connections, I guess. I, I didn't think to check who are the Jazz's scouts and are any of their yeah. brothers coaching <laughs> no basketball. And Sorry, up dude. Up, you know, it's like, Why aren't hey, you doing the deep recon? Crazy. Come on. <laughs> I thought I, I thought Larry was doing it. <laughs> I figure. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. Like this hire, like it's not like I'm just. It's it's interesting because it's like I get where going through all this is good to know if who knows him because Quinn Snyder's glitch. He was like Eric Musselman, who's been everywhere coaching. It's not like he's just been Quinn like Quinn Snyder just NBA. He was CBA call. Like he's been around everywhere. Same with Musselman. I'll coach here. I'll coach there. You know what I mean? He'll coach around everywhere, and so. They get around and realize he's a good coach, and there's a million connections around there, and they may just brought up like, "Hey, this guy might be uh, interesting," or somebody mentioned passing, or some Alex Jensen said to the other to the trainer, whatever, just in passing about it. I like my expectation is like null, but because here's the thing too about Utah State, they don't having Stu Morrill there forever. None of their assistants really went anywhere else, if I can recall, to have another big opening for how good he did. For 20, 20 years, even at CSU, because remember, Stu Morrill was there before he went to Utah State. And it's, it's, it's another good coach. Look at the Rams, another great coach they've had in there. Eustace, Stu Morrill, Nico Medved, Tim Miles. That's a good place. And none of his assistants, Stu Morrill, went on anywhere else to have a great career. So it's like they had a huge coaching tree, even though it's been about almost what, eight years or whatever. It's been a while since Morrill was coaching. There was no assistant that came up. So looking to find who's connected to the job was kind of difficult. And so. I give him credit, too, for going outside the box, finding somewhere else. Now, Hartwell has a big deal. Blake Anderson, football from Arkansas State, has this new head coaching hire. He's been there since 2015. I believe it has. Um, yeah, he's been for a while. So I think the hire is fine. I don't I don't have a strong opinion either way. Like, I'm not saying it's a bad hire, but I don't know if it's a great hire until you start winning, which you could say for anyone. I think it's a fine hire. The guy's won. He's played. Like, all the connections make, it, make me like it more than what um, – Initially saying, why the heck they hire the guy from UMBC? Well, so here's one last thing. This isn't really a connection so much as it's just kind of a fun little factoid. Um, and this is just me reading. I don't know if this actually played out quite as as I'm about to explain it, but I'm. it's fun if I explain it this way. So Ryan Odom was first a graduate assistant at South Florida – in 96, 97. And then he spent three years on staff as an assistant at Furman. Mm -hmm. Now he left in 1999 to go to UNC Asheville. Now, (laughs) you know, you know who became an assistant at Furman the next year after Ryan Odom left Furman? Quinn Snyder. Nico Medved. (laughs) Oh, Nico Medved. Nico Medved. (laughs) So Nico Medved ends up becoming, you know, potentially taking Ryan Odom's spot on the staff, and now they're going to be coaching in the same conference together. So I just thought that was a little, a fun little thing because, yeah, you've got Nico Medved at Furman from 99 to 2006 as an assistant, Mm. and you had Ryan Odom there for the three years beforehand. So, you know, everyone, you go to Furman, hey, you might end up in the Mountain West. Oh man, <laughs> I, you know I I will say I'm gonna go back on a preseason thing that I talked about quite a bit. Um, you know I talked about Nico Medved going to Minnesota 
I was I was sure that he was going to end up taking that job, and Colorado State had the really good year that I thought they were going to have, and I I'm just glad that he's still in the conference. I just wanted to say that. Um, you know, we've had a lot of coaching changes so far. Hopefully, this is the end of it. I think all of the jobs are are filled, so I don't think anybody else should lose their job. <laughs> I'm not expecting so, any other changes to be made. At this let point. me ask you this: I kind of I put a I'm gonna pull up the Twitter poll on here. I put on earlier this morning. I just realized it's up there. I put who's the best hire. Clearly, it's we know who it is. It's uh, our good buddy Tim Miles, which we need to get on the podcast somehow and have some fun. He's he has podcast experience. He knows what it's like. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, man, the mind of Miles. We gotta get in there. Reach out. So, what's the worst hire? Because I know it's, it's clearly Tim Miles. What is the least? Okay, I don't want to. It sounds bad. What's the worst hire? What's the least inspiring hire? Honestly, I am the least excited about Richard Patino in New Mexico just because I don't know. It just feels like a weird fit to me. Um, maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. I just, I wasn't that impressed with what I saw at Minnesota um, with a lot of talent that he got in there. And I just, I'm not sure I buy into it quite yet. Um, I'm happy to be proven wrong, obviously, but if you're going to make me pick uh the one I'm least excited about, I would say probably that one. I think Tim Miles at San, San Jose State is awesome. That, yeah. That's just so cool. I I really just imagined that was going to be kind of a name we'd never heard of ending up with that job. Um, and instead, it's Tim Miles. So that, that's really cool. Mm. I, I like the Ryan Odom to Utah State. It caught me way off guard because I didn't see the name coming, but I like Ryan Odom as a coach. That intrigues um, me the I, most. Yeah, I think that that's a great way to put it. And then Kevin Kruger, I think that one just makes sense, right? That's the most sensible hire probably in terms of, yep, let's get some continuity. Oh, and your dad just retired and it's going to come be a, you know, hang out in your backyard and be a consultant. And, oh, his, uh, one of his top assistants is going to come be one of your top assistants now. <laughs> like, oh, man, that's awesome. Because, you know, Carlin Hartman from Oklahoma, who a lot of people were saying, could have easily gotten the Oklahoma well maybe not easily but you know he sh- should have been in for the Oklahoma job but yeah you know having him come over to help out is going to be huge and so I have to imagine that had Long Kruger not retired Carlin Hartman probably would not be on this staff uh, it's you know I, that one I could see how that would be I can see Kevin Kruger being a polarizing one, though. I don't know how people feel about, you know, UNLV is a pretty big job, you know, in terms of... Uh, what is in the past? Yeah, in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and just, you know, the the name recognition of the UNLV job, right? And you're going to Vegas, right? It's, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of draws to it. And I think there were some people who expected that to be a bigger home run, you know, bring in a new guy. Um, who thought, why that. are you trying... Why are you trying to, you know, continue what you're doing when what you're doing hasn't really worked out? You know, I think there's a little bit of that sentiment about the Kevin Kruger hire. But with what's happened since, uh, you know, I'm feeling more and more confident uh, that that staff will be able to figure it out. It might not happen immediately, but I do think that UNLV is going to be okay, And I feel better about it now that I've seen them hire some staff or at least you know get Carlin Hartman 
Yeah, we'll get to train. Well, we need another show. We're getting kind of long here, but you and OB lost eight guys. Portal NBA. They're getting a couple guys from big like Texas OU, um, some other guys. But I my my go by inspiring. My only like you make a good point. Bringing Oklahoma assistant. If his dad's coming back to Vegas to hang out for whatever. I just don't like hiring an assistant within a program that had a losing record. Yeah, it's not. But it's not like they. That's a fair. That's a fair complaint. They didn't fire T.J. Oldenberger, which I finally get it right after two years. He wasn't fired. The important was now that would would have been even more awkward. I think he. It's like same thing at Texas Tech or Loyola, where the head coach finds another job, promote from within. It's it's that's better than being fired than taking the job when you and had a losing record. So this that's where it's a little iffy on it because you weren't good. Why bring why promote a guy who? Apparently, weren't coaching a very good team, and they didn't have good results. Not saying it won't work out. It's just when you look at everything else, like Odom had success in the American Conference, beat the Virginia thing. He's had six winning conference championships this past year. Richard Pitino eh, did okay, but his is mostly like connection with Eddie Nunez, which I'd say Pitino and Kruger are the bottom, and then Tim Miles obviously the best by far. Like it's amazing what we discussed. I just think the I'm the least optimistic on Kruger, but then like he said. UNLV's tried everything. Let's try to get a big-name coach. Let's get a coach who's done well last year. Like, they had Chris Beard for a second, and maybe that could have done something, but it didn't. So, I don't know. That's why I'm not down on it, but I'm just, like, inspired-wise. It's like, they weren't lazy. It took them a while to go. There wasn't, like, an instant hire. They, they poked around. They did something. Like, we had a tough time. Like, is it Todd Simon to come back? Could be this guy, but... Uh, that's the coaching news. I think we'll end it here, Andy, and we'll maybe get to some transfer stuff and maybe early... Early, early stuff next year in a week or two. So we'll we'll be hanging out for hoops. Maybe not as often as every week, but we'll probably be back at least next week um, to do just like the way too early top twenty fives. Maybe some transfer stuff. There'll be some more solidified stuff. So we'll kind of get into that next week. So mwr.com, my stuff. Check out Andy's stuff. Who does writing? Power rankings over. So do I need to put you to work to write some more stuff occasionally? <laughs> but yeah, obviously kidding. We do whatever we want. Essentially, we, that's your one thing you do. It's awesome. You'll you'll be pitching with Utah State hires. So I appreciate that one weekend. But heat check CBB. You got your grade book, all sorts of stuff. So follow us. Follow Andy mwr.com. Just it's the off season. So let me ask you one quick question: Have you taken a deep breath? Like oh, I can chill for ten minutes here. <laughs> I think I will when we're done recording here. <laughs> that's that's a good plan. So, all right. So we'll see everybody next time. We'll be talking hoops like in a week or so to go over it. Like I mentioned, transfer early stuff, and there'll probably be some random piece of news that'll be exciting because the uh, it always happens, right? I think that's yeah, the case. Well, we'll so we'll find out some more some of these assistants who who get hired onto these staffs. Hopefully, that's true. We'll get into that. And then as just one last thing. We got our transfer tracker, eligibility tracker. So keep checking that out. They're pinned to our homepage. Um, you have Larry hooking that up I do a little bit here and there we kind of tweet back and forth so check that out because that's where we'll probably just read of what who's coming in or coming out of the conference because that's the best place to find it all and until then we'll see you next uh, next show guys <laughs>